0: Reggae Uprising, with your host, Daniil.
1: Greetings Reggae Uprising podcast family and a welcome to another episode. Now if you are fresh and new to Reggae Uprising podcast, it is all about... Connecting people of the African diaspora through wisdom, overstanding, inspirational stories, all backed by a soundtrack of sweet reggae music. Now you might be thinking to yourself, well what does what does that sound like? What does what's the structure of that? How am I getting that into one show? Basically, every single Wednesday I have a new guest on and they share their life story, their heritage, any wisdom they've attained any culture they wish to share with us alongside seven reggae tracks that they have selected as the soundtrack for their life. Now, for my regular listeners, thank you for all of your beautiful comments with last week's episode. I really do appreciate it. And yes, I do know we ran over the usual one hour show because my guests had so much great stories to share and I didn't want to cut it short. This week, we're going to do something a little bit different, though. As my regular listeners will already know, occasionally I do specials when I think, you know, there's something needed, something a little bit extra, something to focus on particularly. So in the past, we've had the Black History Month special. We've had various lockdown specials, unfortunately. And recently uh, we had the Mental Health Edition where Sophia Morgan Jenner shared all of her wisdom to do with mental health. To help everybody through this current lockdown that we're going through in the UK. Now, this week I wanted to do another special, which is all about triumph over adversity. So I want to share two stories from two of my guests from last year, how they, you know, they triumphed over their adversities. They they carried on and they pushed on no matter what. I think they're really inspirational stories. And in this time, in this lockdown, like I said, that we're going through in the UK and all of the trials and tribulations that people are going through throughout the world, we need these inspirational stories to keep us going, that no matter what, we need to keep our head up and keep rising. So, like I said, it's a bit of a different different kind of structure to the show, but I think it is needed, um, hence why, like I said, I wanted to do this Triumph Over Adversity special. As these two previous guests just happen to be women, we are going to set the tone and the vibration with Queen Ifrika's Lioness on the Rise. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you
0: ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready?
2: Never cop out Lioness is on the rise Don't you ever rub down Never say never Willingness forever to fight And be strong Once it's for better I'll write every letter And moving right along And I'll roll with the punches Accept changes Work with the formula Do what I have to do And call me by my name. I am ready to roll. Once the rules remain the same, how the story's been told. Call me anytime. Never clap out. Lioness is on the rise. Don't you ever have done. When you are willing to serve, we have room to observe. To see if. Let me give you my word My voice must be heard Bravery is a piece Of my heart Call me by my name I am ready to roll Once the rules remain the same How the story's been told Call me anytime. Never cop out A lion exit on the right, don't ever around. have no doubt. Oh. When the roll is called up, uh, we'll be standing taller to face the darkest and the hardest of time. We'll be taking care of all the children thereof, but if it's required, we'll be on the front line. You can. By my name I am ready to roll Once the rules remain the same How the story's been told.
1: If you're enjoying the vibrations so far, please make sure you subscribe, whether that is via the app that you're listening to this on or YouTube or daniel.co.uk. Please hit that subscribe button so that you are always up to date and I can keep bringing these high vibrations to you. Right we're going to get started with the first of the two previous guests from last year and give you snippets of their interview. If you want to hear the full interviews all you need to do like I said is look via your the the podcast platform that you're using. Um YouTube or you can look via daniel.co.uk and you will find their individual full episodes. So we're going to start off with Clara Rafai. She is a corporate lawyer, compliance manager, author, public speaker, book consultant, storyteller, coach, mentor and shine strategist. And this is her story of triumph over adversity. Um, you've told us already quite a lot about the um, Shine strategy and the Shine Zone and the various different um, events that you have put on um, that encompasses that theory. Um, how did you go from the idea to where you are now? Like, how did you evolve? First, evolve your idea for anybody that's looking to, you know, get into um, positive works, just to give them a little help.
4: Do you mean how I got into, how I evolved my shine philosophy?
1: Yes, that's correct.
4: Okay. Okay. Um, the thing is, you know, what I like to refer to what I'm doing as me being on my shine journey. And I like to tell everyone that I come across that everyone has a shine call upon their lives. And that our responsibility is to, in a sense, pick up that shine mantle. Yeah, like a, like a shawl. Like a scarf that you would use in wintertime, and, and just wrap it around ourselves and go on our shine journey. Everybody's journey is different, just as, you know, everybody's life is different. Now, when I started my shine journey, first of all, the journey simply means uh, to me it's a journey of self acceptance, you know, self understanding, you know, self acceptance, and then self actualization in that order. But to be honest, I didn't really recognize it as such until, you know, many, many, many years later, because I remember I said to you, it started really with the death of my sisters and how I went into a spiraling wave of depression and, you know, how I then traveled, you know, clawed my way back up to the top, if you like. Now, I've had my fair share of ups and downs and twists and turns like everybody and I've come to realize that there was a connection or there is a connection between that incident of many years ago and what I'm currently doing and I, I can see that that particular tragedy is interconnected, you know, for me, it's interconnected with so many things, it's interconnected with my upbringing with my leadership qualities, um, with my love for inspiring people through my writing and you know my desire to celebrate others. Literally, what I do is I set up platforms to celebrate people and forever. And that person who would turn the spotlight on other people and say, look how great you are. Hey, Queen, you're amazing. You're doing this. Thank you for all you do. Literally, I connect with people in on Facebook who I've never met. And the first thing I say to them, because I would have looked at up on their on their on their profile and the first thing I would say to them is I'm just dropping by in your inbox today to say well done keep shining thank you for all you do and that always oh thank you wow you know and all of that that is my ministry that is my call I'm happy when I'm encouraging others and celebrating others. And that was the whole point of my two-day event in February. On day two, we had um, the Shine. I launched the Shine Legacy Awards at which we recognized and uh, and, and celebrated you know, um, about 20 award recipients for, for, for shining in their various lanes, in their various areas of expertise. So yes, I do have that desire. The thing is, in 2016, though, I crafted my thoughts, my feelings and everything that I've been thinking about for years and years and years. I crafted it into a sort of ideology and I call that ideology the shine philosophy. And that shine philosophy then became, um, in a sense, my strategic guideline, which I've been using to to empower people with the understanding of what it means to operate with a personal brilliance mindset. Now, personal brilliance is not anybody else's brilliance. It's important, that word personal. That's the, um, if you like, that's the operative word because it just simply says that shine in your own lane, dance to your own drum beat, stay in your path. Don't look at what anybody is doing on the left and on the right because your call, your journey is different. Your drum bit is different, therefore your dance steps have got to be different. Don't expect anybody to validate you. Don't expect even anybody to dance with you. Just do your dance and be authentic about it. So the shine philosophy teaches that, you know, everyone has that shine ability, you know, shine ability. And, and these are simply the qualities that are inside of a person that I believe they should harness. And indeed, the H in shine, S-H-I-N-E, stands for harness. So these are the steps that I believe they should harness in order to help them shine. And, Daniel, if you ask me or if anybody asks me what it means to shine, I would say that, you know, in general, it just means to soar higher into new expressions. You know, because shining is about, you know, it's really about striving to improve ourselves. You know, every day, in every way, little changes. It's not It might be nothing big, but you're making changes every day. And you're constantly, you know, seeking new ways to express your brilliance. Because expressing our brilliance is just simply shining the spotlight on the qualities that make us unique. But on the other hand, if I was to break that shine down into the five strategic shine steps, then I would say that S starts for shine. Every one of us has to start our shine journey. And H stands for harness. We should all be harnessing our unique qualities and our unique abilities. I stands to for identify. We should identify our shine factor, and then we should identify our message, our platform, and who it is that we're called to serve with our shine factor. And we should be networking. By that, I mean building and nurturing and leveraging collaborative um, relationships that can help us achieve our purpose or, or, you know, our life's purpose. And then express basically just means, you know, expressing ourselves in such a way that the world can see that our actions and our activities are a true and authentic reflection of our purpose here on Earth. That's what it just simply means you know the shine philosophy and the shine steps of course that's broken that can be expanded into any number of ways and i use that to not just you know help individuals to with with the journey of self-understanding and self-actualization but to also help even businesses to find out what it is that's their niche their shine factor and how that they can have that edge against their competitors Now,
1: what steps would you recommend for people to put into practice uh, as part of their daily routine to empower them and to help them to reach their goals as a daily mantra or maybe things that they should do on a daily basis to reinforce that positivity in their lives, apart from what you've already said, obviously?
4: I would say look in the mirror. Do that mirror test. Look in the mirror, right? And tell yourself the home truth. Because... You know, get naked, basically. That's what that means. Um, when you look in the mirror and you can get naked with yourself and you like what you see, then that's that's good. That's a good place. You can build on that. But if you don't like what you see, then you are the person that's best placed. Not any guru, not any coach or any mentor. You are the person that's best placed. To do that whole, I call it... Um, an intercourse with yourself to, to do that whole exercise of saying, where am I? Who am I? Why am I here? What is it that I'm called to do? Who am I called to serve? If you can answer those questions, you know, truthfully, then you, it sets you on the path to recognizing, you know, what your purpose is here earth And then you can start to pursue that purpose. Of course, applying things like, you know, the five shine steps to start, to harness, to identify, to network and to express.
1: I hope her story has uplifted and empowered you. And like I said, if you would like to know the full story, all you need to do is go to daniel.co.uk where you can also find the links to connect with her if you wish to do so. It's about time we heard some more reggae before we move on to Dr. Ava Brown's interview. And I thought I'd share in the reggae one of my original tunes because I feel it's a tune that uplifts and inspires the determination that is within all of us to achieve greatness. So I'm going to play you one of my original songs, Won't Stop Trying. If you want to hear any more of my original music after you listen to this one, uh, all you need to do is go to daniel.co.uk. As always, a link is in the description. Here we go with my original tune, Won't Stop Trying. Yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. Gonna make my soul shine brighter. Oh, yeah. Today's a new day. Today's a new way. I'm gonna be, gonna see, yeah. Everything so clear Nothing left to fear So much in store, but you and me, so much to see. Yeah, just believe in your heart and know you.
1: Right, we're going to move on to the second guest that appeared last year on the show for this Triumph Over Adversity special. Now, this is Ava Brown that you're going to hear speaking, and she is a mindset and resilience coach, author, CEO, founder, and multi award winning international speaker. She is the author of numerous books such as The Mango Girl, The Single Mother's Diary, and The Journey. To purpose to name but a few here is what she had to say about her journey
5: wow in my we grew up i was born and raised in a, in a one-room shack so let me just get a one-room shack where my mother would take a sheet to separate the bedrooms right and um we literally one of the things that we did which was is interesting looking back at it now we didn't have a dining table we didn't have anything we ate outside on stone. We sit on the rocks outside and eat. ate. In our ma- we had a makeshift kitchen from corrugated zinc. But everybody would sit down together, especially on a Sunday, and we would sit on those rocks and we would eat dinner together. That's one of the things that we do traditionally. The meals were um, turned cornmeal, which for those who are like Ghanaians, like Gary, turned cornmeal and sometimes with no meat. So my mom would fry up, you know, make her own coconut oil, and pour it over it from natural coconut or it would be like chicken back, which is at like the back of the chicken or on a Sunday they would thrive to really have something good on a Sunday. So we rice some peas, chicken or pork, or whatever meal meat they had. And the, the chicken would come from, you know, free range farming. We grew our own chickens, you know, they just roam the place and eat whatever. Um, once you wake up at the barn, you had to clean the house. Like it was you in Jamaica, the custom, when in my days, anyway, you had to clean the house, you had to do your chores before you can do anything else. And I remember my mom had this custom where we use red oak, which is a red dye, to dye the floor, and you had to shine and clean that floor in such a way that she could see her reflection inside the floor. Wow. And those are some of the things that we grew up on, yeah.
1: Can you tell us a little bit more about the adversities you've faced throughout your life and how you've overcome them?
5: Oh, my God. Do you have time? I'm going to I'm start right here. I'm writing a book now called... Thirty Two books, actually. I'm in the middle of writing two books because I write. Um, I'm writing a book, and you can see it on my Facebook page, actually. I'm writing a book about sexual abuse for in children. And um, I made my little character a little black girl, right? Um, a ballerina, but she's black. And I made sure she was black. It was important for me. And it's for all children, but I just chose a black character because... When other people make books, they choose their characters and we just have to buy them if we want or not. So I I write about sexual abuse because my father abused me as a young girl and I was abused heavily um, as a young child. And I believe that if there was education around that, then probably I could have been spared or I would have understood what was happening. Um, I'm also writing a, a poetry book, which I've never dabbled in poetry. However, I feel that um, I was driving home the other day and I just realized it, it just came over me that I lived in 38 places in my life. Um, and that's a lot, right? Um, however, I'm still standing. I'm, I'm very strong. It, it doesn't, you know, I'm not, it hasn't impacted me in a very, very negative way because I have the tools and the skills to overcome and deal with them. So I'm writing a book called 38 Places I Laid My Head, a poetry book, um, and that's going to come out hopefully by the end of the year or early next year because I'm taking my time. But um, that really is looking at some of the struggles. You know, I was homeless. I was sexually abused. I was raped at gunpoint. You know, I've been through a lot. Um, two failed marriages. Um, one was because I think my I think my husband only married me then for a British passport. Um, but through it all, you know, still I rise. I am a very strong and resilient person. I I have a faith. I'm I'm Christian. I believe that, you know, God loves me and He He always is looking after me. But I also believe that I sold mangoes on the train as a child. Um, I was the breadwinner for my family very early. And I believe that through that, I learned some tenacity and resiliency that I could not have had. I keep saying that if I grew up in the UK, they probably would have sectioned me a long time ago because very often I meet people who say, um, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you do it. I'm not sure how you have you know lost your mind already i'm not sure and so i look at that and i just think that we can be we can go through anything but we don't have to make what we go through define who we become and how we we rise beyond them
1: most definitely so where do you think you i know you said you you're christian so you must draw your strength from god but is there any other um any other practices you, you go through in order to, when you're yeah. feeling low or you're feeling low on energy, that you kind of infiltrate to bring yourself back up again and re-energize yourself?
5: Yeah, I've got two beautiful kids. Um, they are my why. My children are very important to me. Um, they're, they're everything. They're my everything and they're important to me. And um, they really keep me going. There's a book by Simon Sinek that says, Start With Why. They are my why. But also, um, I dig deep into myself, and I believe that I have inner strength. That I believe I I, I exercise in terms of my breathing. I read a lot. Um, I write a lot. I journal. Um, I love helping others. So I'm a life coach and a book coach. So when I help other people, it just makes me feel good. Like I had somebody I was coaching on Thursday, and she was crying at how much help I was giving in the sessions. She cried that makes me keeps make me it makes me go on because it makes me think that oh my God, this is, is so valuable. I just completed a seven day book summit and you know when I have a psychologist say thank you so much for helping me to amplify my voice, it just makes me remember that what I'm doing is not in vain. So I I, I, you, I have my own little strategy, but among the ones that I you know I do often is I journal, I read, I meditate. I journal, I read, I meditate, I pray. I talk to some of my friends. I have a coach that I go to. I call her my doula. I offload on her and my children. And those are some of the things that keep me going.
1: Now, please, can you tell us about the journey to writing your first book? How did that all come about?
5: Wow, The Mango Girl is my first book. As a matter of fact, everything I do is called The Mango Girl. Um, My first book came out of an accident. <laughs> I didn't know who my father was And um, I made the mistake And asked my mom And in Jamaica right When I was growing up You dare not have certain conversations Which I think is wrong by the way And um, My children are very self expressed And if they grew up in Jamaica now People would think they're rude and feisty and whatever. But I didn't want them to be like how I grew up um, So my son would say Mommy no that's not right I didn't like how you talk to me And I, I, I really encourage them to be like that and so when I asked my mom who my dad was, she gave me a really strong beating. Um, seriously, it was, it was what you guys over here would call child abuse. Because how dare me question an adult. And when she did that, I literally started writing. I got angry. I wanted to know I had questions and I needed answers. And my mom wouldn't give me. So I started writing this makeshift diary. And I would hide it underneath stones in a carrier bag and stuff like that. And as my experiences grew, I just kept writing. And when I moved to the UK and experienced my first bout of racism, we're talking about 19, no, 2006 it was, my first bit of racism. I was living in Mitcham Road and I bought this, um, my first flat actually, I was really excited, but my first flat had just come, I, just, I was here 2002 or 2000 thereabout bought my first flat and I had some neighbors who were in a, 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 a mace net and my neighbors were really horrible and they had these rottweilers and they, we had to share a common step to go upstairs and I was a teacher at the time I was teaching, they didn't work they would have parties until 4 o'clock I couldn't sleep um, they would let the rottweiler in the stairs I couldn't pass and I remember my son, my daughter had an asthma attack and um, we couldn't come out because the dog was in the stairs, and she nearly choked to death. And we had to sell that flat and move. And it was in that moment I thought, no, there have to be other people who are going through this experience. So I had my, you know, my makeshift diary, and I shared my story with people, and they're like, no man, you need, you need to, you need to share that story. And then I was doing my masters at the University of Wales, and I was working in a, in a in a company a few years later. And uh, my boss was racist. He was very discriminatory. I was the most qualified person on my team. I was making the most sales. However, I was overlooked for promotion constantly. And then I I went to Norway to do some work for the company. And whilst I was in Norway, I did not finish one of my assignments for uni. And I just thought, you know what, I was going to be lazy. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to write about myself because that's all I know. So I wrote about myself and got called in um, to to Coventry for a meeting. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm in trouble. I'm going to fail. By this time, I was married and my marriage was giving me problems. So I just couldn't handle all of the stress. I had a young baby, um, which is my son. I'm working this job. My marriage is a disaster. And here am I being called up into uni. So I went to Coventry and sat in the meeting. And they were just really curious, long story short. Of if this story that I wrote about myself was true. And I was like, Yeah. And when I realized that it was, it was all about the story, they said, Oh my God, we'd love to do a case study on you. And I was like, Really? And they're like, Yes, yeah. so quick, 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 quick after that, quickly after that, the story was written about the case study was done. And then the Financial Times said they wanted to feature me. And so when the Financial Times featured me, my friend said to me, Ava, you've been writing this book for a long time or this information it's time to write that book and that's how i wrote the book i gathered all of those little makeshift diaries and i wrote the first book which is called bamboo and firm which is now called the mango girl which just got optioned to become a feature film and um yeah that's how i started it's long but that's how i started
1: wow so it's kind of evolved over time and now it might be a film like tell us more about how that came about
5: how did that... So I believe in the... One of the things I teach my clients is the power of visualization. And um, I really am big on visualizing what I want. Like, I keep saying I want to go to Jamaica to live and I keep... Every day I say it, like, literally. I'm like, we're going to go to Jamaica to live. We're gonna, we are literally say it every day. Um, and I believe that the universe responds to movement. I think when, when, when you are ready, the universe will find everything you need. So I wrote... When my husband... My ex-husband left, I wrote a diary... I started doing a journal and I did a 21 day, a 31 day journal in 2014 into January, 2015. And I published the journal and inside the journal, I stuck this like an advert, an advert inside of it. And I said, one day my life is going to become a film. If anybody's interested who read this book, contact me. Like it was not even a joke. It was just like that. Right. And 50 copies of those books were printed. I didn't. I don't even have a copy myself. And somebody um, saw it and nominated me for an award. I went to the award. I met somebody who was involved in Pirates of the Caribbean, and it kind of went down that route. And that's how that's how it came about. If I'm honest with you, it's long, but that's the route it took: visualization and and being actionable.
1: Wow, it just shows that, you know, things that people think are impossible are always possible if you have the belief in yourself and and in your dreams, most definitely. I hope the words of Dr. Ava Brown have inspired you on your journey to keep on going, keep your resilience, keep that determination Yeah, and keep your head up high. If you would like to hear the full episode and connect with her, all you need to do is go to daniel.co.uk. So in tribute to both of my guests and all of my female listeners out there, this is a tribute to all of you. Here we go with the sounds of Judy Mowat, Black Woman. (laughs) And Dr. Ava Brown's stories have empowered, uplifted and inspired you to keep pushing forward on your journey. I would like to finish this Triumph Over Adversity special by shining a spotlight on a story of a woman called Madam C.J. Walker. Madam C.J. Walker, born Sarah Breedlove, December 23rd, 1867 to May 25th, 1919, was an African-American entrepreneur, philanthropist and political and social activist. She's recorded as the first female self-made millionaire in America in the Guinness Book of World Records. She made her fortune by developing and marketing a line of co- cosmetics and hair care products for black women through the business she founded, Madam C.J. Walker Manufacturing Company. She became known for her philanthropy and activism and made financial donations to numerous organisations and became a patron of the art. At the time of her death, she was considered the wealthiest African-American businesswoman and wealthiest self-made black woman in America. So let's get into her journey. Sarah Breedlove was born on December 23rd, 1867 to parents Owen and Minerva Breedlove. She was one of six children, an older sister and four brothers, Unfortunately, her older siblings were enslaved by Robert W. Burney, but Sarah was the first child in her family born into freedom after the Emancipation Proclamation was signed. Unfortunately, her mother died in 1872 and her father remarried but died a year later. Sarah moved to Mississippi at the age of 10 to live with her sister and brother-in-law, Jesse Powell where she started working as a domestic servant. A quote about her early life reads as follows, I had little or no opportunity when I started out in life, having been left an orphan and being without a mother or father since I was seven years of age. She had only three months of formal education, which she learned during Sunday school literacy lessons at church. At 14... Sarah married Moses McWilliams to escape abuse from her brother-in-law, Jesse Powell. They then had one daughter, A'Lelia, and when Moses died in 1887, Sarah was 20 and A'Lelia was 2. Sarah remarried in 1894 but left her second husband, John Davis, 9 years later. In January 1906, Sarah married Charles Joseph Walker, a newspaper advertising salesman. Through this marriage, she became known as Madam C.J. Walker. They divorced in 1912 and Charles died in 1926. So how did she attain her notorious title of the first female self-made millionaire? In 1888, she took her daughter to move to St Louis, where three of her brothers lived. She worked as a laundress, earning about a dollar a day, but was determined to make enough money to give her daughter a formal education. Sarah suffered severe dandruff and boldness due to her skin disorders from the application of harsh products to cleanse hair and wash clothes. Following her marriage to Charles Walker in 1906, Sarah became known as Madam C.J. Walker. She marketed herself as an independent hairdresser and retailer of cosmetic creams. Her husband, who was also her business partner, provided advice on advertising and promotion. She sold her products door-to-door, teaching other black women how to groom and style their hair. At the pinnacle of her career between 1911 and 1919, she employed several thousand women as sales agents. By 1917, the company claimed to have trained nearly 20,000 women. As well as training in sales and grooming, she showed other black women how to budget, build their own businesses and encourage them to become financially independent. In 1917, she was inspired by the model of National Association of Coloured Women and so began organising her sales agents, interstate and the local clubs, which resulted in the establishment of the National Beauty Culturists and Benevolent Association of Madam C.J. Walker Agents. Whew, that's a mouthful. <laughs> Walker intended for Villo Luaro which cost $250,000 to build to become a gathering place for community leaders and to inspire other African-Americans to pursue their dreams. She moved into the house in May 1918 and hosted an opening event to honour Emmett J. Scott, at that time the Assistant Secretary for Negro Affairs of the US Department of War. Madam C.J. Walker ensured that the money she made not only benefited herself but lifted as many of her brothers and sisters as possible. Her works within the black community are vast and priceless but here are just a few of her many achievements within her lifetime. She delivered lectures on political, economic and social issues at conventions sponsored by powerful black institutions Her friends and associates included Booker T. Washington and W.E.B. Du Bois. During World War I, she was a leader in the circle for Negro war relief and advocated for the establishment of a training camp for black army officers. In 1974, she joined the Executive Committee of New York Chapter of the National Association for the Advancement of Coloured People, which organised the silent protest parade on New York City's Fifth Avenue. This drew more than 8,000 African-Americans to protest a riot in East St. Louis that killed 39 African-Americans. In 1918, the National Association of Coloured Women's Clubs honoured Walker for making the largest individual contribution to help preserve Frederick Douglass's Anacostia House. She bequeathed nearly $100,000 to orphanages, institutions, and individuals and her will directed two-thirds of her future net profits of her estate to charity. For the small amount of information that I've shared about this inspirational woman, there is so much more to her story. The reason I've chosen to shine the spotlight on this great woman, when there are infinite examples of our people triumphing over adversity throughout our history, is is not only her success in spite of the hardship she faced, but the fact that she shared her successes to uplift her people, which is truly the definition of priceless. I hope this special episode on triumph over adversity has acted as a catalyst for you on your journey to keep on pushing on. We started off with Lioness, so we're going to finish with Lioness. This lioness is by Midnight. I hope you enjoy it. I hope it uplifts you. I hope you feel the high vibrations. Please make sure you come straight back here next Wednesday for a fresh and new episode. Have a wonderful week. As always, blessed love.
3: Inheritance tribes take him into a land of traffic where the people regard not the person of the old nor the young son. Speak a riddle unto the rebellious nation and say unto them, What is your mother, lioness? Principally rocks a dove empress. When she be strong, the whole line neighbors rest. When she be storm, she literalize the tempest. Yes, yeah, Babylon, you ain't even deep, no, diva manipulation to scatter the next. concept of the demon mother with son fatherless, and any day she put to the test, every day she put to the test, but who, 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 can find a virtuous woman, who can find a virtuous woman, her loyalty is the priceless, she deliver right to no peace confess, lioness. rock solid of van empress. when she be strong the whole universe rests. when she be strong, she literalize the tempest yes, yes to defend who she got whatever the state of the nation she not dispossessed she the ironite which the best whatever work from the goblins of high tech togetherness ironite and make Ah, lioness Principally rocks and up doppel never rest. When she be strong, they whole high neighbors rest. When she be strong, she literalize the tempest. Yes, yes. Holy ghost sick up and not trespass. They come like Zion, the wicked man coming after. Well, he's a lion, every poop at a, a room makaro. Hey, when it's a holy papa, fire, royal Monkey would not time. Come. come reinstate that ya. Respect rasta. I tell them the decada. Ay, hey, lioness. When she be strong, the whole line in verse When she be strong, she literally the temple. Yes, yes Build their regard for the truth By being a courtesy She really nothing the, flighty flighty orderless Straight moving for me Disrespect stay back, when they see her highly Carrying herself highly Carrying herself highly Carrying herself highly, Carrying herself highly. Lioness Rinse up all rocks, all it up the and embrace when she be strong, the whole eye neighbors rest When she be strong, she literalize the tempest Yes, 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 yes Build her regard for truth, by being and make her see She really not perplexed, flighty, flighty All and straight moving by me Disrespect stay back when MC her carrying herself highly When MC said that she carry herself highly don't bother to appreciate her pen of opportunity. Ah, ah, ah. She's a lioness, principally rocks her head up on emperors. When she be strong, the whole eye, the first rays. When she be storm, she literalize the tempest. Yes, yes. Yeah. Then who she got? Whatever the state of the nation, she not dispossess. As she, the iron knife she the best. Whatever what come, from, come, the government, it's coming from the west. I take together, iron knife we take and make togetherness. Mmm. Oh uh, oh uh, oh uh, oh. Uh. Oh uh, mm, mm 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 mm. Oh yeah. Oh uh, mm, 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 mm mm Yeah. Dionysus. Principally rocks a little empress. When she be strong, the world eye neighbors raise. When she be stump, she literalize
6: the tempest.